Hi, and welcome to Math Amusings. I'm Mike O'Connell, creator of Math Amusings, and your host. Stay tuned for 15 minutes of science, politics, news, and opinion. In other words, Math Amusings. Today's date is Friday, September 1st, 2023. This is Season 3, Episode 35 of our show. I'm going to say the date again. It is September 1st. It's 9-1-23, like 9-1-2-3. I realize this happens every first of the month in the year 2023, or any year that ends with 23. On the first of the month, you'd have 1-2-3. Still, though, it's worth mentioning. When I write out 9-1-2-3, I'm like, I'm going to notice that it's 9-1-2-3. This is the first episode, speaking of firsts, that I've done in a while. It's sort of in real time. I, I built up a few because I always have a crush of activity at my regular job uh, right when that is going to start. Um, so I like built up a few. So this one, I can say, and clear up at least one thing if you were listening to last week's podcast, it starts off by talking about the team of my youth, my beloved New York Yankees, and the statistical anomaly they had going on where they were above 500, they had more wins than losses, yet they were still in last place. Well, they're still in last place. At least as of this recording, they are still in last place, uh, more decidedly so. Now, I think from the day I recorded that episode, in which I made mention of the Yankees, I think they lost nine out of their next 10 games, I and mean, it was unbelievable. And uh, then, well, they're still in last place, but they're now below 500, um, at least as of the time of this recording. It's the old Math Amusings jinx rearing its ugly head again. Maybe I've double jinxed them now. Maybe maybe they're on a tear right now. Anyway, September, traditionally uh, the start of school and start of football, although that, that started already too. Everything's starting earlier these days. Um, school has already begun and... Uh, Actually, this is funny. Uh, fall sports around here. Now, I I don't do scholastic sports. I mean, I I did when when I was in high school. Uh, that's that's not my business now. It was my dad's business uh, for a long time, and I always know they started earlier than the regular school year. Like you got to get a certain number of practices in. I would drive by my local high school and um, see on the marquee out there like. Fall sports begin July 31st. I maybe even mentioned that already, <laughs> July 31st. That's definitely not fall. I mean, it's one thing to start at the end of August, like get a jump on in school year. July 31st, goodness. Anyway, growing up, uh, first day of school was always the Wednesday after Labor Day. And this is so crazy to me now that teachers, um, and both of my parents were teachers, as I've mentioned a million times before, would go back just one day before. Labor Day's on a Monday. Teachers go in on Tuesday. They hand you your class list, you know, print it on a piece of paper, and uh, you, you just prepare as best you can, and then, well, the next day, you got students coming in. One day. One day. That was it. Uh, now, uh, I mean, it, re- it really never stops. In the, in the, email, in the email era, it, it never turns off. Um, whereas in, in my parents' era, you know, you, you would have no contact, even you as the teacher, you had no contact with anyone from school for months, let alone like your 
kids interacting with one another. They just wouldn't see each other for months. Us now, uh, the minimum was, was six days, like six work days before the school starts. If you were new, it was, I think, 11 days. And then I mentioned about the yeah, fall sports beginning in July. So around these parts, school has begun. Well, it did begin. Uh, today's a holiday. <laughs> in, in the ever uh, broader theme here of, well, we, we extend the school year out and you know make the summer shorter, but just cram in more holidays. Yeah, today's a holiday. What holiday it is? It's four-day weekend holiday. That, that's it. It just says student holiday on the, uh, the official calendar. It's, uh, to me, this, this is just a straight-up favor to the summer lobby. I'm just going to call them the summer lobby. People who run uh, theme parks and other family vacation destinations, and not just them. I mean, it's like daycares and summer camps and, and places that stand to gain money of you know, kids being out of school. You got to do a favor to them somehow because, um, and I mean, more on this later, it's the broader topic of today. Um, how do we play nice uh, with everybody uh, when, our, when our incentives differ? Um, but my school district, as I said, longer year, more holidays mixed in. And I'm, I'm totally fine with it. I've mentioned this before. I'm, I'm even to the point that I don't even mind saying this. Like, I don't have to whisper this anymore. Like, I would go to school 52 weeks of the year. It doesn't bother me. Like, the shorter summer, no summer. I mean, this is why I sign up for doing summer school and other, we call them professional developments. Like, things that you can go to and participate in as a teacher to, to grow in your field or, or presumably, uh, or to help students as well um, as we have them come in. I would do that every day. And maybe it'd be different if I didn't have a family or if they were on a different schedule. But uh, no, I, I mean, I like being in the routine. I do like being the teacher. I do like doing it. I'm not doing it just so I can be off. Never take a job just for the holidays. I mean, that's kind of silly. Pick a different job. Uh, it's clear that you don't like it. Anyway, uh, I, I know it's heresy to say that I, I would go to school 52 weeks a year or um, but no, I, I would. I totally would. And we're, we're trending towards that. But I would say would, summer will never disappear. And, and because of the folks I mentioned earlier, the, the summer lobby, I'm just going to call them the summer lobby, theme park people. Um, and um, yeah, daycares and summer camps, people who make money on kids being out of school. And this introduces a broader theme, like one of the great principles of political science. Before I got into teaching math, this is what I did for a hobby. Um, I'm a poli sci major, and uh, someday I'm someday I'm going to write a book, uh, political science textbooks, and the, the first chapter is going to involve um, a description of. I wish I came up with this because it's such a simple phrase: concentrated benefits and dispersed costs. That's what's going on here. That's like. If that rule one or one A of actually, I used to say rule number one is people respond to incentives. That's like the rule number one of all social science, right there. People respond to incentives, and this is like example one A: concentrated benefits and dispersed costs of any particular policy or law. The number of beneficiaries may be small, 
but it matters to them a lot. The benefits are concentrated to a small group of people. Enough that they organize and lobby the government to either keep this in place or to change current existing uh, conditions in their favor. And their examples of this abound. Uh, the usual classic one is like farmers. Uh, whatever particular uh, crop you're growing, you're going to lobby the government to give you special protection against everyone else, whether it's you know, corn or dairy or sugar, like the popular ones in this country. And if you're the corn grower guy, you're going to spend all your time lobbying government for corn subsidies or restrictions on foreign corn coming in because that's your livelihood. That's it. That's the only thing you do. Yeah, you're going to spend all day lobbying the anyone who will listen and is empowered, empowered to uh, make a decision on this uh, because you're the corn guy and you want special protections for corn. That other people, that the other 300 million people in this country pay a few cents more for corn or, the, you know, you're paying a few cents more for milk or you're paying a few cents more for sugar. Like, you don't realize it because it's a few cents here and a few cents there. That's the other half of this, the dispersed costs. The costs are conveniently spread out over millions of us. It's not as obvious. They're, they're sort of hidden. And uh, we're not going to lobby the government. Like, I... I'm a consumer. It's it's the consumers who are who are not banding together. The producers band together and lobby. The consumers don't because it's a few cents here, it's a few cents there. It's not worth your time. You're paying only at the margins, but few cents here and a few cents there. Guess what? It adds up. Now I will say, just none of this is good or bad. I'm I'm just reporting the facts here, and I know that that's one of the other things I always say. You know, beware the honest broker. Like, no, there was a time in my life when I was more partisan about these things. Maybe someday when I retire, I'll, I'll go back there. But no, today I'm just reporting the facts. And it, and it just is. My uh, aforementioned uh, political science textbook, which, which I will print someday in my life, it's going to be called, It's Not Rocket Science, It's Political Science. And it's, it's going to be no judgment. It's just expected results. Um, it's, you know, it's, uh, like if, if the medical doctor you came to, like you go to a doctor and said, well, here's my problem. And the doctor just told you like, well, here's what's going on. And here's the expected results. The doctor wouldn't say to you, oh, you make sure you eat right and exercise. No, I'll leave that part out of it. Like you figured out that part. I'm just telling you, here's what is going on. And these are the expected results of this Your new piece of legislation. I can tell you what's going to happen. Some people are going to be better off. Some people are going to be worse off. I can tell you who. I'm familiar with the tools of political science. And I, uh, at a time in my life when I paid more attention to this, but I, I still remember the basics. It's like I tell people I majored in political science. It's always, you know, the usual joke is, oh, is politics really a science? And it's always said in that, you know, joking accent, too. I'm like, yeah, sure, it's a science as any other. Um, a chemist measures chemical phenomena in the in the universe a biologist measures biological phenomena in the universe i'm a political scientist i measure and observe political phenomena in the universe i'm using the tools of science to explain political phenomena i make observations i collect data i make hypotheses and he stumbles over it's a hypotheses and i um 
that's either accept them or reject them uh, based on uh, my data and I look at the results. The only difference is, well, only difference. One major difference is that there's no laboratory. Now, if you are a biologist or a chemist, like maybe you're out in the field, but you have like test tubes and beakers and, and such that you're conducting your own experiments. You've got control. And control is another word from science. There's the control and then you have your variable. Now with political science, uh, your laboratory isn't there. Or it's either not there or you can say, well, in the entire world, that's your laboratory. And you can look at uh, different, sometimes phrases used, laboratories of democracy. If different subsets of a country, or you can look from country to country, like, well, they have different sets of laws. Let's see how they played out. That's your laboratory. You can't take a group of people and, well, I'm just going to use them as human experiments. And I'm going to take this other group. This is my control group, and this is my, uh, my variable, and I'm just going to lock them away and just, just see what happens. Well, no, you can't really do that, respecting any kind of human ethics. Um, these things just, just sort of happen. And uh, you know, if you're lucky enough to be able to observe two different uh, sets that have very different sets of rules, well, yeah, write a book about it. <laughs> just, uh, just as the chemist in his laboratory would. And it's the same idea. You make observations, you collect data, you know, make a hypothesis, look at the results, and, uh, and you publish them. And, and that's, that's a simple version of what's going on. I've, I have the opportunity, like, I don't have to worry about that as my job. I'm just there as the layman. Um, and uh, yeah, it's much, much easier this way. <laughs> and I get to talk about it at my other fun, quote unquote, job. This is what I do here for 15 minutes every week. It's like, no, nobody's great at me on this. I just enjoy expressing my views every 15 minutes here on Fridays. And uh, I hope you have enjoyed uh, listening to the program today. Got a, got a little bit more into the musings and the math, but it's always a scientifically uh, based. Uh, in case you were wondering if politics really was a science, this is gonna roll it back like five minutes to listen to that again. So if I haven't mentioned that before, or if I have, well, maybe it's been a while. I've been talking about baseball in summertime and other things. Back to school now, we're back to school. So I hope you've enjoyed uh, the lecture and demonstration today and uh, celebrating the uh, back to school and uh, the official start of school when September comes around. And I hope you've enjoyed today's holiday. Uh, you got some more time to uh, check out more Math Amusings. If the podcast isn't enough for you, well, you can head to MikeOConnellJr.com.